And uh, we will now proceed to the Word of God, and I will invite you to read with me uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 18 to 27, and we will be reading from the English Standard Version. Um, let's read Mark chapter 12, verses 18 to 27, and then may I request the congregation to please stand as we read the Word of God and read with me these verses. And Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. These are the words of the Lord and may he be worshipped and praised through its reading. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. Open our hearts and open our minds today as we listen to your word. Speak to your people today, and may we learn your truth and apply them in our very lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's all be seated. Last week, it's a Resurrection Sunday, it's an Easter Sunday, and we've learned one topic about the resurrection. And uh, Pastor Well gave us this powerful sermon about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we look into the characters of that resurrection and that because Jesus is alive, uh, he turns our lives around and because he lives, he gives us peace and there's so many facets of peace he, he gave us last Sunday and because Jesus is alive, he resurrected, he helps us also in our unbelief. All of this because Jesus is alive. And... Um, the passage that we have just read a while ago is also about the resurrection, a question on, on the resurrection. But there's more to that than what we have just read. This, uh, this question, this passage is more than asking about the raising of the dead. And I've entitled this sermon, When the Disciples Learned About Reality Versus Absurdity. And this is a discipleship moment for Jesus' followers, as we have read from the text that we've just um, had a while ago in Mark chapter 12. Now, this is more than the idea about resurrection. This is more than defending the doctrine or the belief about resurrection of Jesus. This is about God's power, our identity in Him, and the reality of our future with Jesus reality of resurrection and the absurdity of resurrection in the eyes 
of the Sadducees. But let me define these terms first because I've been using them, uh, reality and absurdity, another added vocabulary in your dictionary. Reality means, it's a noun, that means the state of things that actually exist, it means they're factually true, as opposed to an idea or a notion. Absurdity is the quality or state of being ridiculous, funny, or illogical, or the state of having a lack of sense, or wildly unreasonable, illogical. So it will not be so good if someone tells you you're absurd. It means you're wildly unreasonable, you're illogical, or you lack sense. Now, this is very important because I will be using these words from time to time. Now, let's go back to the story of Jesus. Now, here we have um, Jesus uh, in the midst of a conversation. Now, here, um, if you read, as a background, if you read chapters 10 to 12, you would notice that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes these religious leaders bested themselves and asked Jesus various questions. Um, let me give you an example. In chapter 10, verse 1 to 10, um, they asked Jesus about divorce. In chapter um, 11, 27 to 33, they questioned his authority. In chapter 12, 13 to 16, before this verse that we have read, they asked him about paying taxes. They took a coin and said, whose inscription is this and how and to whom shall we pay tax to? And verse 12 to 18, we've just read that. It's about the Sadducees asking him about the resurrection. And on chapter 12, verses 28 to 34, we've seen there they asking about the greatest commandment. So here they bested Jesus. They tried to catch Jesus and they tried to um, catch him off guard and to make him and to uh, to make him look absurd, to make him look wildly illogical or wildly unreasonable. And so they ask him various questions. They all tried to catch Jesus because you know when Jesus speaks and when he spoke to the people, the people were at awe and bewildered at his authority. And perhaps the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes were jealous of him. Not to mention that, of course, they also lacked the knowledge of the scriptures. So these religious leaders now have the opportunity to catch Jesus. They ask him various questions. They have an opportunity to oppose him. But, of course, Jesus is wiser and here now, you have a group of Sadducees. And as a background, as you know, the verse also told us that these Sadducees deny the possibility of the resurrection. They do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't believe that, according to Bible scholars, because according to them, the Sadducees, resurrection isn't taught in the Pentateuch. It was never mentioned in the Pentateuch, and therefore... As a Sadducee, they will not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so, precisely that is where they ask Jesus. This is the frame or where they're coming from when they ask this question to Jesus. 
They don't believe in the resurrection. Doesn't exist. The Pentateuch never mentioned it. And we know already the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch would be the, fa- the first five uh, books of the Hebrew Scripture. And what are those Pentateuch books? We have Genesis. All right. I think I'm okay. You already know that. Very good. Very good, children. All right. And so this is the story. Very simple. They ask him this question. In essence, a woman married a man and died. And married all his brothers in accordance to the law of Moses. And I will give you what law is that in a little while. And because all of them had this woman as their wife, seven brothers, could you imagine? And one wife. That's a recipe for disaster. And so they ask him, if they will be raised from the dead, if there will be a resurrection, who among the seven will be the husband of that one wife? Could you imagine? Kami po ay tatlong lalaki. Kuya ko, ako at yung sumunod. Our youngest is a woman, I mean, a girl. So, could you imagine kung apat kami? Eh, could you imagine? So, and Jesus responded. In essence, Jesus said that you neither know the scripture nor the power of God. God is the God of the living. He is not God of the dead. And so, the Sadducees were slapped on their faces because Jesus told them, you don't know the scriptures. But wait a minute. The Sadducees will tell you, wait a minute. We, Sadducees, together with my friends with me, you know, my barkada, the Pharisees and the scribes, we don't know the scriptures. Wait a minute, Jesus. I will give you the basis of our question. The basis of our question is based from the scripture. It's a law on the leveret marriage. We could read that from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5, and you could read from 6 to 10. This is the basis of the question of the Sadducees. So Jesus was, was telling them, you don't know the scriptures. Perhaps in the mind of the Sadducees, wait a minute, we have a proof. We have a basis. Why don't you read Jesus, Deuteronomy 25, verse 5? And this what you will read from that verse. If, a bro- if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside of the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. That is Deuteronomy 25 verse 5 and you could read all of the uh, uh, applicable laws from verses 6 to 10. So that is the question of the side. That's reality. That is reality. Now, why is there a law on the leveret of marriage? Remember, we are referring to an ancient time. Um, and this leveret is not just true to the Hebrews. This is mostly true to an ancient civilization in most of that. To, to, today, it will be incestuous, right? Um, I don't know if there's, of course, uh, reality is stranger than fiction. Perhaps you know someone na napangasawa yung eldest brother, then after that yung kapatid, and then the other one, and then the other one. I, I know someone who married the brother first and then married the, the youngest brother. I know of one. 
But I don't know if that person will marry all of the brothers. Um, wow, wow for the lady, no? But what is the purpose of that? The purpose, as we have read in Deuteronomy, is to preserve the property of the family, perpetuate the legacy of the family, ang tawag dito yung progenitor, yung the source, di ba? Yung, yung patriarchy, to maintain that. And, as you know, if you have read your history, part of the history of humankind, women's identity or the identity of a woman is attached to marriage. You, as a woman, you're only good to a person if you're married or you're able to produce an heir. Remember King Edward, how many wives she divorced because they could, not, they, uh, they could not produce an heir. And that is even true. So that is the purpose of the leverage, leverage marriage. And so here's a reality. Because there is leverage in marriage, there is leverage, and this is true. This is the law of Moses. And so there's a reality, and this is true. It's possible that a lady, a woman, will marry the eldest brother and they will have no son or they will have no child. So they have to marry the next brother. How do you apply the law of leverage of marriage to the resurrection? Imagine, in the resurrection, the promise is all of them will be alive, right? And so now, all of the seven brothers will now be alive who among the seven will be called the husband. So, sino tuloy ang totoong honey niya? Sino ang totoong love niya? Wow! All of them. All of the above. And that is absurd, right? Now, Jesus would have to answer that. Would Jesus answer, Oh, um, the first. The first among all is the first of all. But sabing, wait a minute, namatay ka nga eh. The last. Kasi... Or pwede natin sabihin, the one who had the longest time with her. You could answer in both ways. But Jesus answered differently, very wisely. He said this. Jesus said to them, This is the reason why you are wrong. Meaning, your statement is wrong. Even your premise is wrong. Why? Sabi ni Jesus, you are wrong. Because of two things. And this is what we're going to study. The verse, verse 24 says, It is wrong because you know neither, you do not know, two things. That's why you have a wrong premise in understanding the resurrection. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Two things. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For the Saturday, this is reality to them. This is real. This could happen. I don't know among you here who had seven husbands or seven wives. It's okay. It's okay. Um, let's not dig, um, let's bury the hatchet, okay? But when you look at the sky, who is the babe? Wala naman pong problema, Pastor, kung who am I called? Because the babe is a babe, is a mahal, is a honey, is a so everything, you know? So being there should not be a problem. And so when my wife and I, uh, nung kami ay naging, um, naging magnobyo, I, I, we said that we will just call ourselves names. 
Eh, ano ba kung mahal, mahal pala yung isa, mahal din yung pangalawa? Para hindi kayo magkamali, lahat na mahal. Mahal, kumain ka na ba? Nagkamali ng text, safe ka nga naman, kasi mahal naman tawag mo sa kanilang lahat, di ba? So, call me by my name. Para mahuli ko, mahuli natin. Mahuli nyo. Huwag kayo magpatawag ng mahal-mahal, babe. Madal- marami yan. Alam, I, I know that. But uh, of course, I don't do that. Ah. My wife is my first girlfriend and my last. Uh, oh. I told myself then, si Donna lang ang gusto ko. If I will not marry her, hindi na ako mag-aasawa. <laughs> eh, napang-asawa ko siya. O di, tapos na ako. Sorry. But going back, just as aside, I'll just... Ginigising ko lang yung mga nagtutulog-tulugan natin, nagla-lunch niya, nakasama natin sa online. Kasi nagla-lunch na sila eh. Kaya pumunta kayo dito, kasi nagla-lunch na kayo, kami nandito pa oh. Anyway, going back. So there are two things here. This is reality to them, you know? That is reality that, that, is, that could be true. That could be true. And so, you don't know, Jesus said, you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the power of God. The Sadducees wanted to make the belief on resurrection observed by presenting to Jesus their own version of reality. But Jesus reversed it and made their belief absurd by magnifying, and now we will see that, the greater reality of God's power and God's word. You know what's, ha- what's happening here? They have made the heresy, the Sadducees made the heresy of reducing God in their own minds. Our lack of understanding of the scripture, our lack of understanding of God's power, reduce God. This is the illustration. If I will see the sun, there's no sun now, it's raining, I could see from here. It's raining. If you see the sun, you could put your thumb to the sun and say, the sun isn't bigger than my thumb. In my reality, in my narrow conception, that is true. If I put my thumb on the sun, that, that will be very small, right? But is that the reality? Is that the greater reality? Of course not. Perhaps thousands, I don't know, millions of earth could even fit the sun. And that is what's happening here. When you lack your knowledge of Scripture, if you lack understanding of the Scripture, you lack understanding of God's power, you reduce God. These things, our lack of understanding of two things, the same as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these two things will result, result to your vain attempt to reduce God. And that reduction of God is something that we do almost on a daily basis. We reduce God every day. We impose our narrow conceptions, our notions of Him. God, you can only be this way. You can only act this way. You can only be this way. God cannot do this. God cannot do that. You cannot go in my situation. You cannot heal me. You cannot do this. You cannot. God can. Who told you God cannot? unstoppable, unshakable. And if He wants to stop, He will stop. That is our problem. Our lack of understanding the Scripture and God's power results to reducing God. Of course, we could not reduce God. But we do. We use our own thumb to say the sun is small. 
only to find out that in our perspective, it's wrong. Let's go to the first point. It's a lack of understanding, and Jesus uh, rebuked them because of their lack of knowledge of the Scripture, which result to false doctrine. You know, false doctrine is something like you misrepresent God. You are telling God something or you are saying uh, God said something that He did not say. You believe into something that God did not reveal Himself about Himself. Do we misrepresent God in one way or another? Do you believe notions? Do you believe even appears to be holy, appears to be biblical, but actually, they are never in the scripture. Ang kasabihan ng mga Pilipino, wala namang mawawala. Mga pamahiin, mga superstitious belief. Oh, don't wear black. Don't go to this. Don't, ano yun? Don't uh, sweep your floor at night. Ibalik ang swerte. Huwag kayo maniniwala sa swerte. Mamalasin kayo. Christian, you know, and in the, the back of our minds, you know, um, or even at, at some point, you're very superstitious. Pag may patay, you have to break, uh, what do you call that, uh, plates. And, you know, the, the coffin should not go uh, and hit the, the doors, you know, and something like that. A lot of notions. These are just samples. A lot. A lot that our wrong notions of God lead us to wrong beliefs in Him. In a way, we're representing God, like the Sadducees here. The false doctrine leads us to false beliefs, wrong life, and wrong direction. You see, um, doctrine is important because it is something that gives us a better understanding of who God is. And you will say, somebody told me that, you know, um, doctrine is very limiting. Because they say, doctrine um, will only give you the way, this is the only way God wants you to believe Him. Or this is the only way you should see God. But what's not liberating or what's... um, uh, what's chaining us actually is not the uh, doctrine, the right doctrine. What would chain us later is actually the false doctrine because you believe into something that that is not true. And here, in the narrow understanding of the Sadducees about the resurrection, they failed to see the promise of God. They failed to see Hope after death. You see, resurrection is good news to people. Resurrection is good news because our lives here on earth will not end on the grave. Our bodies will not just rot on earth. This body shall be redeemed. This body shall be under the wonderful radiant, beautiful, transformative power of the Almighty. I'll say that again. In the resurrection, this body that we have 
redemptive power of the Almighty. It will be glorious. It will reflect its maker. And so, we always see resurrection as something just raising of the body. But actually, thank you, Paul. I'm, uh, if you are, I will just have to explain that uh, the mic is being attached to me. All right. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right. So, because the resurrection, we only see that it's about the resurrection of our bodies, but we fail to see that this resurrection points to its maker. This points to the power of God. You know, our sinful body points to our sinfulness. Many of us here, we have abused our bodies. And our bodies, at times, the way you see yourself now, is a reflection of your sinfulness or products of your sinfulness. For instance, I'm saying this to myself, gluttony. Di ba kasalanan ng gluttony? Overeating, overindulging. I was once a gluton. Everything I will eat. And what happened to me? I became morbidly obese. Hindi ba reflection yun ng kasalanan? But in the resurrection, God will redeem that. Now, my body that is subject to corruption will be changed by God. And in that resurrected body, it's a changed, transformed body. No longer, it will, it will no longer rot. It will no longer be subject to corruption. Reflecting the glory, the power, the beauty, the transformative power of God. That is the beauty of the resurrection. And the, uh, the, the Sadducees failed to see that. Isn't that hopeful for you? But when you all get to heaven, all the sins of gluttony will be gone. So, ang sabihin niyo, hindi kami mag-exercise po pala, it's okay. No, I'm not saying that. That's false belief. So, the Sadducees here fail to see that. That the resurrection is not just about the raising of the body. This points to the power of God in the resurrection. It points to the maker. Our body now points to sin because it will be, it's subject to corruption. We have abused our bodies in so, so many ways. But in that resurrected body, it will point to the power of Jesus. That's the beauty of it. We always have wrong notions of God because we fail to see the scriptures like the Sadducees. Because they have not read the scriptures and they will impose their narrow conception, narrow interpretations, and they fail to engage this big, dynamic, ever greater God. And that is why they couldn't also see Jesus. Why the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes didn't see Jesus? Why did they didn't recognize Jesus at all? Why? Because they box God. We always box God. We fail to understand an ever greater God because we box God in our own interpretations. The people then, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and scribes, these religious people believe God cannot be humble. God cannot take the human flesh. God cannot be like that. God cannot be like this. It's impossible. God cannot. God cannot. I've said that. God can. He will. He is absolutely powerful, sovereign. 
In what ways now in your life you're like that? Lord, here is my situation. You cannot do this, Lord. Impossible. Who told you? That is your narrow conception of God that is using your thumb to show or to just gauge the size of the sun. No matter how impossible your situation is, even if your relatives, your friends, your husband is not yet a Christian, believe in God that is nothing impossible with him. He will, or these people that you know praying for, for them to be saved, will be saved. Nothing is impossible with God. Right? O sino nagsabi sa inyong cannot? That is the problem. And I would like to quote uh, Mark Nelson and Alan Hirsch in their book, Reformation. We are so easily imprisoned by our own interpretation and so convinced of the absolute rightness of them. Even in our own belief. So that we close the door to engaging the ever greater God. When reductions occur, we reduce God. The story of the gospel, the message of the transformative, beautiful gospel, radiant gospel of Jesus Christ will just manifest itself as a propaganda and not theology. The gospel is not propaganda. Pag sinabing propaganda, it's just like a sales talk. How can the gospel be a sales talk? If you just say it and you don't leave that out. If you do not uh, manifest the radiance, the vibrance, the glory, the beauty of the transformative gospel of Jesus Christ in your life, then gospel will just be a propaganda, sales talk para kayong binentahan ng isang bagay. You know, in the mall, particularly in the Philippines, people will just offer you this, give you iced tea, and then suddenly you will be dizzy, and suddenly you will sign up for something. That's sales talk. The gospel is not like that. The gospel is not propaganda. The gospel is this. Who are these people? Why are they so vibrant? Why do they love each other despite that they are perfect? Why are these people so glorious? Why they are so hopeful? Why? Because the gospel is so manifest in us. And the reason why the Sadducees failed to see this, because of this, they were imprisoned by their own interpretation and so convinced in the absolute rightness of them, they failed to engage an ever greater in what ways, my dear brothers and sisters, you fail to engage an ever greater God? In what ways you limit your God? In what ways you use your thumb to seize up and to gauge the glory, the power of God in your life? And daming basis. Whenever you doubt God and the power of God, you reduce God with your own thumb. Of course, you cannot reduce Him, but you do. Who's not the losing end? You. You failed to realize the beauty and the power of God. That is the first reason why the Sadducees had a wrong premise about the resurrection. The failure to understand scriptures. And their imprisonment of their own notions and interpretations about God. And that would lead me to the second point. The reason why the Sadducees and uh, Pharisees, and include all their barcadas, you know, the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the scribes, include them, is they lack to see and appreciate the power of God. 
And whenever we, we don't see the power of God, you know, this is what happens. What we see is not the power of God. What we see is our own self. When we see ourselves, we see God smaller. But when we see God bigger, ourselves become smaller. And this is exactly what their question is all about. When you look at the question, when you interrogate the question and go back to the text, they were asking about marriage in the resurrection. They were asking about the continuation of their earthly lives. The continuation of their earthly lives. Looking into their own absurd marriages. Looking at their own situation. How about my relationships? How about my marriage? How about my life? Is resurrection all about you? The resurrection definitely will benefit you, but it does not point to you. The resurrection points ultimately to the glory and the power of God, as I've mentioned earlier. Your transformed body, your risen body will point out to the perfection, the beauty, the power of God to change from dust to life, from bones to flesh. That is the power of God. And therefore, the resurrection is not about you. It's about God. It's about Jesus. Not all about me, myself, and I. And that's the problem with the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and all of these people. And even us. The reason why we fail to appreciate the power of God is because we always see ourselves. It's about me. Everything about me. Selfishness. Self-centeredness. It is as if you're the sun. You're the center of the solar system. Christianity will never preach that. It's not about you, Lord. What will I get from this, Lord? How are you going to bless me? Lord, how am, I, how am I? How am I? I, I, I. Why don't you ask this question? How am I going to help others? How am I going to be of service to others? How can I help you? Why don't you change that I to something for others and find your a meaning to that? When we see our self-centeredness, then we reduce the power of God in ourselves. Not that we can reduce it, definitely not, but in us. We fail to see the greater God because of our own selves. You know, they always look at themselves. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. And so, there is something um, that they fail to see. They fail to see that isn't that powerful God who can transform something out of uh, death to life? Would I limit my God of that power? And let me just say this in passing. Perhaps this is something we miss here as a 21st century hearer uh, because this may not be applicable to many of us here with the liberation of women. If this message perhaps uh, will be preached or you will read these verses if you're a woman in the 12th century or even up to until the early 19th century, you know this will be a good news to you. You know why? Because when we read the story, the woman there became just an object. Imagine, how about the feeling of that woman to be married seven times to the brothers? 
I don't, I don't have a choice. I don't ako na magpakasal. Sawang-sawa na ako sa ugali ng mga magkakapatid na ito. I mean, what's the choice of the woman? Is there? What if the woman doesn't want to marry anymore? Right? But if you are a hearer in the 12th century, this is liberating to me. Why? Because Jesus said this, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. If you're a woman and you're hearing this, and your identity is attached to a marriage, your property ownership is attached to a marriage, even your self-worth is attached only to your husband. Isn't that great news? Why? Because Jesus said, they will be like angels in heaven. Who are the angels of heaven? Aren't they creatures created by God to serve Him? And their identity is attached to the one that they worship. And so therefore, when Jesus said that, He's saying this, your identity as a woman, your identity as a person is no longer attached to your marriage to your property or to anyone, your identity will be attached to your maker. That is your worth. That is your value. And to a woman who's listening to that, that is a great news for her. Imagine a woman in the 12th century, even in the 19th century. Have you read Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice? If you read that book, in that literature, wala silang ginawa doon, maghanap sila ng mapapangasawa. And this is true, and this is good news to all of us. I don't know, I will not ask anymore if any one of you had two husbands, two wives, three wives, whatever. And I know that those are painful relationships perhaps. That's why your first marriage ended or second or third or whatever. Or seven marriages ended. I know that every time it's a painful experience. You will no longer be attached to the failed past relationships that you've had. You will be attached to your Savior and to your Maker. For, exa- for instance, for those childless couples, they will no longer be attached to what the society dictates them to have. They will be attached to the beauty and to the glory of their Savior. Isn't that great news to you? And Jesus was saying, you, like, you will be like angels. Your identity, your service will no longer be attached to your husband who just philandered you, niloko lang kayo, o namatay ng maaga you will be attached. Your identity and worth will be attached to Jesus, your Savior, your Master, your Redeemer. What a beautiful notion. What a beautiful thought. And so, that is good news for those people who had failed marriages. It's a good news. Pagdating nyo pala sa langit, wala nakita tawagin babe doon. And I'm just joking. But that is just so good news for a person whose heart was broken several times. And for those people who have never married, diba? imagine you live in the 12th, 18th century. Imagine. If you are not married, or if you're a widow, diba? if you're a widow, kaya nga si Naomi, Ruth, at saka si, si uh, Naomi, diba? sabi niya, I'm already cursed, kasi naging balo siya. At ang sabi niya pa, even if you will, uh, even if you'll have children, it will take some time before you get married. Because, you know, their, their value as a woman is attached to their marriages. This is great news. Even if you're a spinster or even if you're never married, it's okay. Your identity, your worth is not what the society dictates upon you. 
Your value, your worth, your happiness depends on Jesus. Like kung sinasabi yun, we will never joke here, mag-asawa ka na. Oh, Diyos ka? Diyos ba siya para magsabi mag-asawa ka na? If God will tell me I will get married, I will get married. If not, then it's no. No, I'm not as telling you for you all to be single. If you're called to be married, fine, be happy. I am happily married. But I cannot dare say that I am more happy than those who are single. That's, that's a lie. It couldn't be true. If you're a single now, don't just look for it. You're, and I've said this many times, your happiness will never depend on a relationship. Look at what Jesus is saying. Look at the power of God in your life. Look at the love of God in your life. May nagmamasan yung totoo, ni-ignore nyo. Tapos yung hindi nyo naman, hindi na nagmamasan, inahabol-habol nyo. Ganun naman, di ba talaga? Ang umahabol yung iniiwan. You're chasing to someone that doesn't love you. Give yourself a break. Jesus loves you. Gave his life for you. Love him back. Because I know many of you are single. But it's okay. Continue to being single. But if you will get married, it's okay. It's okay. I'm saying that because that's good news to us. We will no longer be attached to people. So sad. But that is true. And so, Jesus answered this lastly. He said, And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. What does it mean to the people? As we have seen that the Sadducees lack two things. Failure to see the scriptures, to understand the scriptures, and failure to understand the power of God. And lastly, Jesus answered them. Look at the book of Moses. Now, my question is this. When Jesus answered the question of the Sadducees, he turned the table. He now will make, Jesus will now make the Sadducees absurd. Look at this question. Where can we find this reference about the burning bush? Where can you find that story? Oh, where can you find uh, those people in the on, on, on people online? Huh? Paki text. San, where can you find that story? Huh? Revelation. <laughs> hindi, hindi nakakamali kayo. Wala yan sa revelation mga anak. Huh? Where can you find that? Oh, bakit, why, bakit nila tinok kinakabahan? Pastor Ruel, why, why our members doesn't know this? Okay. You can find that. Okay. To be safe. Para pagbigyan ko kayo, ha? You can find that in the story inside the Pentateuch, right? The first five books. Jesus, di ba sabi nila, the reason why they don't believe in the resurrection because the Pentateuch never mentioned that. Now he said, this story about the Jews, about, sorry, about the bush is found in the Pentateuch. And he said he's the God of the living, he's the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. In a way, Jesus is asking them, so what happened to Abraham? What happened to Isaac? What happened to Jacob? Now dead? Rotten bodies? If the Sadducee will answer, yeah, they're rotten bodies, they will no longer be alive. The public will have an outcry and say, wait a minute, these patriarchs are the pure persons we reveal. You could not say they're just dead. And so the Sadducees, as you know in the story, the Sadducees never answered Jesus. 
aren't you the one absurd? If you know the power of God, would you think he will allow this Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob just rot there? Just die like that? Or he is the God of promise. He will make someone alive. You know, this is the problem. The reason why they failed to see this is because they failed to see the beauty of the Scripture on how God revealed Himself in the Scripture and the beauty of God's power. Two things. They failed to see that. They boxed God. They reduced God. They failed to engage the ever greater God. Are you reducing God in your own notions? Are you reducing God with your own preconceived notions of Him? Or you will say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. Let me just give this to you. When Moses said, and this is also part of uh, the story about Moses. Then Moses said to God, this is about when he's about to go to, to Egypt. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And the people of Israel will ask Moses, what is his name? And Mo Mo Moses asked, what shall I say to them? What is the answer of God? Did God give a particular name? My name is Reynaldo. No, he said, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Of course, it's a very absurd interpretation of this. There's a cult in the Philippines that they call God I am. Ako nga, Hindi mo siguro ako matidemanda, wala naman jurisdiction sa akin. Ako nga, kasi the Bible says, ako nga, I am. That's the name of God, I am. But of course, that's not true. That's a wrong interpretation. So we have a lot of preconceived notions about, uh, of God as we define it. Now, look at how God responded to Moses. He said, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. And Moses will say, but you didn't just answer the question. You know what reveals what is being revealed here is this. God does not want to be put in a box. God's refusal to be known is not very limiting of him. He didn't give his name, not because he is hiding a secret identity. No. God revealed himself so truly in the scriptures. He revealed himself. But you know, one, one reason why God did not say Reynaldo or James, or John, because of this, we are prone to idolatry. We are prone to reducing God. We are prone to limiting God to that name alone. If God says, I am the God who is the healer, oh, God is just the healer. We are like that. We are prone to reducing God all the time. We are prone to idolatry. And we will never and will always fail to engage that ever greater God. Look at what's happening here. We only see God as a blessing. But we reject the notion when God allowed COVID-19. Who sent and allowed COVID-19? Me? The devil? Or ultimately, it's God. It's God. Because if you deny that God did not allow that, and it, is, it happened without the power of God, you will also deny that he does not have any power over that. God allowed it, definitely he would have a power over it. 
There's nothing on this earth, there's no molecule here on earth, there's no atom here on earth that will be outside of the will of God, outside of the power of God. No one, never, not even the devil. No one, and that should be good news to us. None of your mistakes, none of your situation is outside the providence, the sovereignty of God. We box him, Lord, you can only act this way. You cannot be like this. And we fail to see God. Let me share this to you as a closing. Because God wants us to know him. Know him through the scriptures. The failure of the Sadducee. God wants us to know his power, who he is. Because this is true, we could not comprehend God fully because He is absolute. He is eternal. And as a finite human being, as a limited human being, we could not understand an absolute person, an absolute being. We could not comprehend God fully, but we can know Him truly. But in our understanding of God, we will always be limited by our finite minds. Thus, we ought to cease putting God in our own notions of Him. Now, you will say, tell me, so, since that I could not fully, fully know God, I should just cease knowing Him. No, that's not what he's saying. St. Augustine had this uh, a word in Latin, and I like this. Uh, a paraphrase of St. Augustine. Augustine said, Si enim comprehendis non est Deus. If you understand God, that is not God. Now, of course, many people revolted. Hey, hey wait a minute, St. Augustine. Why are you saying that if we, we could not if we comprehend God, it's not God? Augustine is saying is this. They are right in attempting our forefathers. You know, the early church fathers were all right. St. Augustine. Because what they're saying is this. Is that not because you cannot fully comprehend God, you will stop knowing him. Rather, what you should do is to continue knowing Him, continue to pursue Him because God being the eternal source of beauty, God being the eternal source of delight, wonder, majesty, glory, and everything on this earth, do you think you can contain Him in eternity? Do you think eternity will be enough just to know the source of beauty, power, majesty? As the song goes, I can search for all eternity and find that there is none like God. We can never comprehend God because when we get there, when we get to heaven, Lord, this is your beauty. Every day, Lord, this is your beauty. There's more and more and more and more of God for eternity. You can never, never, never have of Him fully. So there's more of God, more of God, more of His beauty, more of His glory, more of His goodness, more of His radiance, more of His majesty. Wow! You cannot contain Him for eternity. And that is why Augustine is saying, then, having this God who's absolutely captivating, pursue Him. Know Him. And as I end, as the disciples of Jesus, is it your pursuit to know God? 
Or is it absurdity to you? But I already know God. God is like this. I've already read the Bible cover to cover and I don't need to know God. Because if you are like the disciples, you will fail to see the beauty of God. There's always more to Him. Are you pursuing God as a disciples of Jesus Christ? How do you know your God? What are the sources you see, you look for when you look for God? Do you look for Him on the internet or TikTok or you search the scriptures? How do you experience the power of God? Are you reducing God? Are you doubting His power? Are you uneager, not interested in His word? That is the challenge. We should search for God. Pursue Him. Because in reality, He found us. In reality, He introduced Himself to us first. And therefore, know the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the radiance, the vibrance of this wonderful, holy God. You will be amazed. You'll be attracted to His beauty for eternity. And that is my challenge to you. How much of Him you know. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful moment that you are with us. Lord, we thank you because you have just shown us how we have reduced you through our lack of knowledge of the scriptures and how we have reduced you by just ignoring your power, your glory, your majesty, your beauty in our lives. And we just boxed you with our own preconceived notions. We tell ourselves, this is the only way you will work in my situations. This is the only way you will work in my difficulties. But Lord, we fail to see that you're powerful. And Lord, with that beauty of yours, you have given that to us. That our identity is no longer attached to our failed past relationships to even the successful ones. But Lord, to you, the source of life, the source of our new hope. And Father, today I pray that you will just speak to your people, that they may pursue you, they may know you, that they may search you and find in all eternity that you are the source of beauty, the source of glory, and there is none like you. Shall we all stand? And I invite you to sing this wonderful song. Thank you. 
glory and beauty now and forevermore. And all of us will respond with amen, amen, and amen. Let us give a clap offering to the Lord. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters. God bless you. Pursue God. And for those of you who have joined us online, thank you. Join us again next week and join us in person. Have a nice day and God bless you. Again.